Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, I am so glad to be talking to you this morning. It's been a while since I've preached a month exactly. Hey, I'm excited. Hey, and you know what I'm really excited about? I didn't prompt them at all to do that. That was spontaneous. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I do want to say thank you to them. You know, you, you may wonder, I wonder why they have people sitting on the platform. You have no clue what it's like to try to preach to an empty auditorium. And you folks cheer us on, say amen, help us out. And it's so good. So I appreciate it. I am welcoming not only Cornerstone today, but I'm welcoming a lot of my friends. As I watch online, I see so many friends. You guys, are you noticing that as you share with people? I notice so many of my friends around the community, the state, the nation, and even, oh my goodness, last week I had friends from Egypt, from uh, the Philippines, and from Hong Kong all on. So it was awesome. It was really, really great. Well, a month ago, the last Sunday of July, I started the series on wisdom by saying this, life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. JC invited me to look directly at him when I said that. How about that? Um, but I am, I'm excited to share with you our conclusion to that. But first of all, I want us to take a look uh, right up here on the screen at where we've been over the last few weeks, okay? The first thing we started out by James' definition of, of the wisdom that comes from above. It's what we're actually looking for. And this is what he said. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That is so wonderful. That's what God says wisdom is. And the amazing thing is a lot of what's passing for wisdom in our world doesn't meet any of those requirements. That's where we need to start. Then we learned that we need to ask three vital questions. We ask these. In the light of my past experiences, is this a wise thing for me to do? Pastor Jacob pointed out to us that we're not just looking for the right thing. We're looking for a wise thing. What is wise and right? In light of my current circumstances, is this a wise thing for me to do? And then, in light of my future hopes and dreams, is this a wise thing for me to do? Great questions. I've been trying to use those in my life for quite a while, and they sure have helped me. And then the third step that we learned is about complete honesty. Having complete honesty with myself, proactively deciding the story I want to tell with my life, this is essential for a regret-free life. Very, very wise. And then, last week, Pastor Donnie, uh, took us to a place where we would uh, look at our internal tension, the stress that we feel, you know, when we're making decisions. The internal, uh, my internal tension and disintegration may be an invitation from God to consider a higher purpose. I need to pause and consider my purpose. That was very, very helpful. All of those are wise. But now, you know, talking about disintegration, I learned a bit about personal disintegration this week. I found out that I'm eventually going to be the bionic woman. How about that? <laughs> I'm starting a series of things to get, get myself in shape where I can walk again. And it's starting with my knee. And when I was at the doctor, wonderful, wonderful man, very competent, capable, compassionate, all of that. He said to me, now this is going to be a significant surgery. And I was like, well, okay, what does that mean? And he said, I don't mean that it's a terrible surgery. I mean, it's not like, oh, like a tonsillectomy. 
He said, you don't just go in and get the surgery done and assume that everything's going to be okay. You have significant work to do. You must absolutely do the follow-through. He said that most of the problems that people have and their dissatisfaction with uh, replacements and that kind of thing is because they do not do the follow-through. They just expect it to be okay without putting their heart into it. Did you know that's the same with wisdom in life? Absolutely. You can answer all those questions. You can ask them all. You can answer them all. You can be on a great track, but life will offer you so many distractions to get off track and get your focus off the goal. Now, do you get distracted easily? <laughs> oh, gosh, I do too. It's so bad. I'll be in the middle of talking about something, and all of a sudden, I'll get distracted and run off another, another place, and one of my kids will go, whoops, there goes a bird, you know, because <laughs> they're, they're laughing at me, kind of chasing that. Um, you know, there's a... a a kind of a debate right now in our culture, all kinds of struggles over the, the people that have been important and the things that have done, been done and all of that. And so one of those is about Mount Rushmore. You know, should those people be on Mount Rushmore? And if you took them down, who would you put up there? I got to tell you, this is going to sound so shallow, but it's really true. If I was going to put a face on, on Mount Rushmore, who daily means more in my life than just about anybody else, it would be whoever figured out how to put a camera and a GPS on my phone. <laughs> Truthfully, because I'm so distracted, I can get lost anywhere, and without it, I would have been lost years ago, never to return again. I can tell you legendary stories about it. In fact, I'll just tell you one funny one real quick. One of my dearest friends ever has been Tracy Choo Choo Kleibscheidel. She's with the Lord now. But when we were young, she didn't have uh, Joey yet, didn't have a child yet, and I just had Rachel. We were going to meet our husbands, who were best friends, in Circleville at the pumpkin show. They went golfing early, and were going to be there early, and we were going to go down there and meet them when she got off work. So we started out. Rachel had an earache. She was a little girl, had an earache. And I decided, now you got to keep in mind, the trip from here to Circleville is just a little over two hours. You, do, you know, you go to Columbus and you, you know, jog off and go to Circleville. It's an easy, easy way to go. So I'm a pretty good storyteller and Rachel had this earache. And so I decided the way to get her focus off that was to tell her a story. So I told her a story and it was wild and long and funny and crazy. And Tracy got so caught up in it that she almost ran off the road once. It was, it was kind of crazy. We stopped and got ice cream. We had so much fun. And all of a sudden... Uh, can you show them where we ended up? Look here. We were almost at Marietta. <laughs> By the time we realized that we had passed every place we were supposed to, I don't, I don't even know how we did this. <laughs> I mean, Akron is up here, Columbus is up here, and Marietta is over there. <laughs> All of a sudden, we realized that's where we are. We were, it was just like crazy. Yikes, how did we do this? How did we do this? You know, we had kind of a fun trip. But all of a sudden we realized, and we didn't have cell phones, they didn't have them back then. And so our husbands were worried sick. And do you know what happens when husbands are worried sick and they find out they didn't need to be? They're really mad. That's, that's what happens next. So we had kind of an adventure, but we missed the whole point of everything that we were doing, the greatness and everything we wanted to, to end up to. Now that's kind of the situation where Paul is when he's writing a scripture we're going to read in just a minute. He had invested his life in giving the new believers in Jesus all across what is now modern Turkey the wisdom they needed to live in joy and success in following Jesus. But a few years in, just a few years in, they were losing their joy and their purpose. 
and they were all over the place in the way that they were living. And he wrote them and he asked this very direct question. Check it out. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. Boy, is that pointed? Yes. Dr. J. Robert Clinton, he's a, a leadership guru, and he has devoted significant time in his life to studying the track record of Christian leaders all throughout the Bible and into modern day to say that more than 70% of leaders who start out incredibly well with amazing potential, everyone sees how they're going to lead the world, how they're going to live for Jesus, how they're going to do things great. More than 70% of them do not finish well. And now this is not by his analysis, this is not him being critical, looking at their lives and saying, oh, he blew it here, she blew it here. It's not that at all. It's their own analysis. It's the analysis of their peers, the analysis of their followers, and the analysis of the people who run the, the disciplines of the area of life that they focus in. For instance, what I'm saying, it would be if you're a pastor or a religious leader, it would be your religious leaders saying, no, they, they fell off the rails somewhere. If you're an attorney, it would be them saying, no, they didn't do this well. You understand what I'm saying? It would be all of that. Wow. Now, if that's the leaders who are in place that we consider being big leaders, what about all of us? We all are leading in one way or another, and we certainly are all leading ourselves. We certainly do that. The thing is, we all start with goals, and if we're reasonable, if we're sensible, and certainly if we're Jesus followers... We start with our eyes in a good direction. Now, the, you know, I, my retirement month is coming up here, and over the last, um, oh, wow, long time, <laughs> decades in ministry, I've had several hundred people stand in front of me to get married. And they all had the same goal. They all were going to live happily ever after. They all were going to keep those vows. They all were going to have an incredible life. Wow, they all had the right goal. Their destination in sight was forever. They were running the race so well. But as I looked in a folder I saw in my office this week and I saw the names of so many people I had married and their beautiful wedding folders, going, what happened? What happened here? Distractions. Distractions. They got off the goal. A lot of people the same place when they have a baby. You don't have a baby just because, you know, you, you want to look at something cute and because you love to get up at night and change diapers. I mean, you don't do it for that reason. You have children... Because you want, to, you want to raise someone that you give your best to and you believe they can be better than you, you do that. And, and so you start out with a great goal, but then you get this opportunity to work too much at work. You get this opportunity to take an advancement that's going to take a ton of time and you say, well, I can do this. I'm, I'm just going to do this for like three months. I'm just going to do this. And then I'm going to get back to spending time with my kids again. And what happens? You get used to the extra money. You get used to that and you're, you're off track. And we all know how it is on dieting, right? Dieting, working out, school, you name it. We start really well with great purpose and then we get distracted. Why are distractions so powerful? Why are they? Well, it's because they always appeal to our emotions. They always appeal to our flesh. Goals and directions have passion in the beginning for sure. But in direct emotional appeal, Goals cannot hold a candle to distractions. They just can't. I mean, think about this. You're on your diet. You're doing really good. I think a little bit ago, some of us were talking about that a little bit. You're, you're in there with intensity. 
And then you're watching this show and that Wendy's double comes on with the cheese dripping over the edges. And I mean, really, when you get it, really, is it like that? No. Those commercials are so great. But, but then you feel like I just have to get a snack. I just have to get a snack. And actually, I'm just going to do it this once because I deserve it. I have been so good all day today. And then there we go. Uh, you see the car that your neighbor is driving. You don't really need a new car. You certainly don't need to get into a, a whole new level of payment. You don't need to do that. You see the commercials, and then you start talking to yourself. Your emotions are all geared up, and you start saying, you know, if I bought that, it's actually going to save me gas money. It'll actually do that. You don't figure in the interest that you're going to pay on this new loan. You don't do that. But you, you forget those interest payments. Why? Because your emotions are worked up. It's appealing to your distraction, is appealing to your emotions, to your flesh, and so it's easy to justify going off the path. That is a truth. When my emotions get involved, it is easy to justify going off the path. So if you follow that attention, that, that progression, you better pay attention to it. It's really important. The moment your emotions get involved, it is so easy to figure out an exception to the rule and why it's no big deal if I do this right now. I mean, let's go back and think Samson. Pastor Jacob talked about him a couple weeks ago. This woman had tricked him multiple times. What a fool. Everybody could see it but him. Everybody is like, you know, what's this guy smoking? What's, what's wrong with him? Everybody saw it. But him, his emotions were, were so involved that all he could see was the reason that it would be okay to do this. All he could see was that he could figure it out. Somehow he would be okay. It's no different for you and me. Man, I've been a counselor for 40 years, and this is what I know. I'll sit in a room with a couple of people or a person by themselves, and they'll tell me about their marriage. They'll tell me about their finances. They'll tell me about their poor decisions. And I'm listening to them, and, I, and I'm just hearing this story, and I've thought this a million times. The T-Rex was just standing there with his jaws wide open and you walked straight in. What were you thinking? Didn't anybody in your life tell you this might be a bad decision? And guess what? I never get a no. They all say, well, 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 you kind, yeah, kind of, you know. Yeah, kind of my mom, my dad, you know, my teacher. I, I had these thoughts, my pastor. Wow, and they sit there like a deer in headlights. Why? Because in that moment, when they've already passed the, the decision-making place, they've followed, they've followed a detour, and they've gotten in trouble. See, distractions absolutely lower our defenses. They do. Check it out. They lower our defenses, and they raise our defensiveness. See, everyone but you, when your emotions get involved, your defenses immediately go down. It's like, you know, the gate is open. Anything can come down. And so everyone but you can see that this person, this decision, this thing that you're going to do does not meet the standards you said you had. That's what, you know, with Samson, everybody knew that. He was a judge. He, he was a, a person who was called to lead and everyone knew what his standard was supposed to be and everyone knew that this was not meeting it. When, you're distra when you, distractions lower your defenses, everyone but you can see that this is not meeting your standard, that it's a detour. Your defenses are down. The natural instincts that God would want to be using for you are not working anymore. And when your defenses are down, guess what's up? 
your defensiveness. When your defenses are down, you are hyper defensive. And what will happen? I'll accuse you of lack of faith. And I'll tell you, you don't even believe in me. And I'll tell everybody else, I'm always a victim. No one ever gives me a chance. No one trusts my judgment, blah, blah, blah. No one believes in me. And we go on and on and on. Our defensiveness is super high. And our defenses are low when our emotions get involved. We want to run in the direction of our emotions. That's a human thing. And so, you know, people will always say things like, just follow your heart. Are you kidding? You're following something really stupid if you do that. <laughs> really, really stupid. And I didn't say that. God said that. God said that in, in Jeremiah 17, 9, he said the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's actually got a wicked bent to it. He says that. So don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. I mean, can any of you think of a lie that you told yourself this morning? Did you deceive yourself on anything yet today? If not, you've got plenty of time. You'll do it before the day's over. <laughs> You'll, you'll tell yourself something like, for instance, if I would ask the average person who really likes Cinnabons, how many calories are in a Cinnabon? And they would say something like, oh, it's got to be like, I don't know, 300, 350. No, way more. 800. Yeah. 800. But when I'm looking at it, it looks like only 800. You know, it looks like, I mean, it looks like only about 350 because my emotions want to deceive me. And that's the way it is with all of us. Here's the truth. Love at first sight in any situation. If it's love of a house, love of a car, love of a person, love of a decision, love of a job, love at first sight may turn out to be good. But you gotta put yourself in slow mode. You have to pull yourself back. You have to keep in mind your deceitful heart. My husband used to say, even a blind squirrel will find a nut sometime. And that is true. It could be that your thing at first sight may turn out to be good, but more often than not, no, it's not. More, more often than not, your emotions have deceived you. So I want to tell you this. This is really big. A strong emotional pull is a red light, not a green light. Actually, would you guys say that with me so everyone can get it? A strong emotional pull is a red light, not a green light. Wow. You can't afford to go running into the thing that in the moment looks so good to you. If you already have a strong prayed about goal and direction in your life, which if you follow Jesus, you should have that. You should have numerous things there. If you have a strong prayed about goal and destination, you need to treat your emotions with extreme care. Remember that God said that temptation that is from Satan always appeal to what our eyes see and our desires crave. Always. Those daggone Cinnabons. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over life. They're all over life. And that's what God said. We immediately gravitate to the things our emotions want that our desires want that our eyes see. That's how Satan even tempted Jesus. And when we say that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it's because he was actually tempted. It's not because he was God and he was just like, I don't care about that. No, he cared. He was human. He cared. And everything Jesus said about that, he said that, that they tempted, that Satan's temptation was to his eyes, to the things that he felt, to the desires that he had, all of that. All of those temptations that Jesus faced were strong emotional pulls away from the destination that he had committed to himself and to his father to follow. Every temptation that you have 
is going to appeal to your emotions and to your desires to pull you away from what you've already committed to Jesus that you're going to do. When you say, I'm really feeling it though. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm just so feeling it. When your heart is all a flutter, when you're when you're ready to fight about it and someone asks you a legitimate question and your red lights are flashing and, and you're just feeling like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'll tell you why. When you're there, listen, that's not a red light you're seeing that's good. That's a green, that, or not a green light, that's a red light. That is a red light. It is telling you stop now, think, get some clarity, pray, focus back on the goal. So let's do that. Focus on the goal. Focus on the goal. Distractions and detours may keep you from your destination. Would you say that with me right in your house, right now where you are, wherever you're listening? Would you say it with us right up here on the platform? Would you say that distractions and detours may keep you from your destination? Did you know that not only the Bible, but all of history is littered with it? Have you seen Hamilton yet? Yes. Oh, so good. So, so good. So good. It's, it's funny and it's, it's genius, the lyrics and everything. It's just incredible. The thing that's most incredible about it, though, is that it's true. It's 100% true. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's the true story of Hamilton. You know, he's on our money. He was big, big, big time in the beginning days of our country. But it's the story of two brilliant men, Andrew Hamilton and Aaron Burr, who got so embroiled in political differences that one ended up dead. And as far as the rest of his life mattering for anything, the other one might as well have been dead. Because Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton in a duel that that ended Hamilton's life. This was a detour. It was over a Senate seat. And then they got all really upset about it because, you know, they felt there that uh, Hamilton felt that that Burr had cheated his father-in-law. It was just crazy. It's just a crazy, crazy thing. But you know what happened? They destroyed their families and their own futures by this detour that they took. And you know what else they did? They didn't help at all the nation that they loved. Not at all. Not at all. Neither of them dreamed it. They never dreamed it was going to happen this way. You know, Hamilton sings from the very beginning all the way through, I'm not going to throw my shot. I'm not going to do that. And yet he did. And so did Alexander Burr or Aaron Burr. Why did they do that? Because they let their emotions run unhindered. They followed the detour. And neither one of them ended up at the destination that they had committed their lives to. And that doesn't even speak of eternity. That's sad. Their, their lives here on this planet are sad. And we don't, we don't know about when they left this life. We don't know what happened then. It's worse than sad. It is always worse than sad when detours lead us away from our destination. So how do we, how do we keep from that happening? We're emotional people. We have human emotions. How do we do this? Well, fortunately, God's word speaking through Paul has some wonderful direction for us. And I want you to follow along with me here on the screen. The first thing that we learn is this. This is Paul talking. And this is right after he's talked to those Galatians. And he says, you know, you were running so well. Why'd you get a detour? Why'd you do this? So he says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, your emotional nature, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
So do you understand that if you're not going to run into a detour, if you're not going to take a detour, if you're actually going to get to your dis destination as a follower of Jesus Christ, do you understand that it's more than saying a prayer? It's more than saying a prayer. It's more than getting saved. It's more than just getting a ticket for heaven and then running my life and ruining my life and others' lives on the way there. It is working with God actively to get control of my desires and submit my desires to him. It's working with God so that God will actively work in me to change my desires. Did you know that if you walk in the spirit, he can overcome your DNA? Did you know that? If you work with God, he can overcome your hereditary, your hereditary bent. He, he can do all of that if you'll work with him, but you have to keep step with the spirit. You have to do that. And if you work with God, he will actively change your desires so you can overcome your emotions and you cannot run that detour that will ruin your life. Okay, so then he goes on. Let's read some more. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Wow, did you hear that? It's not just a supernatural whammy. It's not that you guys come over here and I lay my hands on you and you fall down on the floor and you wake up and woo, I got it. No, it's not that. It's not that. Listen to who nails our passions and desires to the cross. It is not Jesus. It is me. Did you hear that? Jesus nailed my sins to his cross in that they were forgiven. But the responsibility, read it right there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and we crucify them there. That is why Paul said, I die daily. Every day I say, no, no, Cinnabon. <laughs> Every day. Every day, every day, I deny my emotional bent to do the wrong thing and take a detour and ruin my destination. Every day, I nail my desires and my passions to his cross. I say no. Jesus in the garden, he said no on my behalf. He said no on your behalf. His emotions wanted to run. But he stayed the course. He didn't take a detour. And that's what he's calling us to do. And he says, I'll give you the power to do it. You can do this thing. You can do it. It is met by moment by moment walking with him. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That doesn't mean I get up and I have my devotions. I pray and then I go have my day and then I come back at night and I ask Jesus to forgive me for how I screwed up. No. It means in the morning I say to him, Jesus, this day is yours. I am yours. Walk with me every moment. Help me conquer my emotions. Help me stay away from the detour. Peck on my shoulder and show me when I'm starting to step aside. And I will crucify that desire. I will nail it to the cross. I will not get off track. You say, but Brenda, you just don't understand. Guess what? I think I do. I'm so old, I've been almost everybody's age that's listening to me today. <laughs> I don't care if you're 30, I don't care if you're 16, I don't care if you're 21, I don't care who you are, what you are, I do understand. And I will tell you, even more than I do understand, I know Paul understood, and I know for sure that Jesus understands. You are not unique. You are not. You are special and wonderful, but you're not unique and different 
We're all alike. And God's power is the same for all of us. And this is what Paul discovered. I learned this when I was about eight years old. I memorized this scripture and it has, it has done me so much good my whole life because God brings it to my mind with continual emphasis. Listen to it. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Did you hear that? You are not a special case. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And whose responsibility is it to take the way out? Mine. It's yours and mine. Every time I'm tempted, every time that detour comes up in front of me, every time my, my emotions want to run crazy wild, God is so faithful. He's going to show me a way. Sometimes it's going to say, come on, get up, get your backside out of there, get moving. You do not belong here. Sometimes it'll be that way. You, you know, there's so many ways, but he will show you a way. He'll show you a way. And you don't want to end up like those hundreds of people sitting in my office who say, uh, oh, yes, someone did tell me this was a bad idea. In fact, I think it was the Holy Spirit himself. Because God is faithful to you. Don't take a detour. That detour may cost you your destination. It just may do that. You don't want to do that. Our bottom line today is that distraction may keep you from your destination. You can't just start well. You have to finish well. You have to. You have to for your good, for the good of your family. You don't know what hangs in the balance. You don't know who hangs in the balance of you getting to your destination right. But God has made you a leader. He has made you a person of influence. And people are watching you. You want to get where you said you're going. You want to get where God has called you to go and you do it by hanging in there. Back to Dr. Clinton, that guy who said that 70% of the, the Christian leaders, 70%, more than 70% of leaders in, in general don't get where they originally said they were going to go. They don't finish well. Listen to what he said. He said that these are the five or six reasons, the six reasons that most leaders do not finish well. First, they lose their learning posture. They quit being willing to grow and learn. Their defensiveness, they feel like they've got it. And so their defensiveness gets pretty high and they don't want to hear from anyone else. So they stop listening and growing. Secondly, the attractiveness of their character kind of wilts away. They're, they're just not, you know, they just kind of do things by memory anymore. They're not constantly checking out, is this is this like Christ? My character is not just as good as it used to be. Thirdly, they stop living by their convictions. Do you have a conviction? You guys have a conviction? You guys have some convictions? You have some things that you know are wrong for you, okay? He said the reason that leaders fail is they quit doing the things that they know are right for them to do and they start doing the things that they know are wrong for them to do. They quit living by convictions. That's a detour. Fourth, they fail to leave behind ultimate contributions contributions. Now, if you're going to contribute something, like we had offering this morning, when you contribute something, it means I take something that I have and I give it to someone else. Okay, so a contribution comes from something that I have, something I might think that I need, but I'm willing to give it away. Leaders detour. Leaders don't finish well 
when they start hoarding and they keep their contributions of time, money, resources, character, all of that, they keep it for themselves. You've got to keep giving away. Fifth, they stop walking in an awareness of their influence and destiny. They start forgetting that people are watching. They start forgetting that, you know, you know oh, be careful little eyes. There's, there's eyes watching you all the time. Watching you all the time. People who don't finish well, forget that. And then finally, he said, leaders who finish poorly, leaders who never get to their de destination, that take a detour, they finish poorly because they lose their once vibrant and vital relationship with God. It becomes a thing that describes their belief, not who they really are. Do you know, I, I was talking with the Lord this morning and he just hit me with it so strong. God is interested in me believing right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a good thing if I believe the right things, but that's not the big deal. Do you know it's not even a big deal if my behavior is right? That's not the biggest deal to God. It's great if my behavior is right, but you know what he really wants? He wants me to be right. He wants me to be right with him. That's it. He wants my relationship to be right with him. And if my relationship was, is right with him, I may get to heaven and find out I believe some things that were wrong. I may get to heaven and I find out that I did some things that were wrong. But if my relationship with him is right, if I am right with him, if my goal every single day is to hit the target that he put in front of me and that I committed to him, then I will be right and I will finish well and I will live well. And God will be pleased with me and I'll be satisfied with my life. And the people around me will find a safe way to make it home. Let me pray with you about that. Father, this morning we are so aware that we are such emotional human beings. And our emotions are wonderful when they're committed to you. But they are so dangerous when we let our fingers off the pulse of the truth of our heart for a minute. I pray, Lord Jesus, for every one of us who is thinking with you this morning that we will listen to the voice of your spirit, that we will commit ourselves 100% to making the destination sure. I pray for myself and I pray for all of us, for all of us, that we will not take the detour, that we will not become defensive and let our defensive down, defenses down, but we will trust you. We will walk in the spirit. We will take the responsibility to nail our passions to the cross. That we will not expect you to do for us what you have called us to do for ourselves. That we will rely on you and your power to, to work in our DNA and our uh, hereditary bents and all of that. To choose you with all of our lives. As we do, we know that we will be blessed and you will be absolutely satisfied with us and glorified in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I hope that this week that you will download our talking points. They're, they're on the website. You can get them right away. Download them and discuss them with at least one other person because that will help you have accountability. All right? Do that. And then I'd like to invite you to do this as well. Make an accountability commitment with God and for your, with yourself for your current area of greatest distraction. You know what it is, right? Everybody know? I know what mine is. You know what yours is. Let's do that.
Well, I also want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized yet and your faith is in Jesus Christ, don't forget to uh, sign up for that and be with us next Sunday for baptisms. It's going to be a wonderful time at Melanie Lake. I have been so excited to be with you today. It's been a great day for me. I hope it's been a great day for you. And here's what I am praying for you. I pray that when we all reach the destination, we'll look around and we'll see each other there. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I want to make the destination that God has called me to meet. And I want you to meet it too. And now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, who knows you best, loves you most, and works with you the most deeply, find you following him to your destination. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.